Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, October 13, 2013. My name is Leah, and I'm your moderator for today's meeting. The 12 steps, as outlined in the big book, represent a process of spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. We submit to a simple process that is not easy, yet takes us to a place we've never been. We didn't even know it existed. The real advantage of these steps is that they are a specific message for producing a personal transformation, a change in the way a person thinks, feels, and behaves. Roberta D. is with us this morning to speak about her transformation, what she used to be like, what happened, and what she's like now. Roberta D., who resides in New York, is a recovered compulsive overeater and a loyal servant of Overeaters Anonymous. She spends a great amount of time helping compulsive overeaters understand the big book, the 12-step process, how it works, and how it can transform lives. I'm pleased to welcome to A Vision for You, Roberta D. Good morning, Roberta. Oh, good morning. Oh, that was fast. Okay. (laughs) Hi, my name is Roberta, and I'm a real compulsive overeater. And um, by the grace of God, the big book, the 12 steps, and the fellowship, I haven't found it necessary to eat certain foods, quantities, and that extra bite for 8,726 days today, which is 11-22-1989. Okay, here we go. Uh, This is very interesting for me. I've never done something like, well, I did it once before, but it was interesting. Okay, let me tell you a little bit about where I've come from. I was born uh, normal, 7-Eleven. And uh, by the time I was two, I was blonde, blue-eyed, and uh, pudgy. And all, all of my life, I had uh, had the stigma in my head of who I was. Wasn't never good enough, wasn't uh, shoulda, woulda, coulda. The whole story of I know all of us sort of relate to. I became tall. Uh, I am five foot ten. I was five foot ten. Now I'm five foot nine and a half. <laughs> Anyhow, um, I was. Uh, I had a problem with my uh, back and not being able to stand up too straight. But um, oh, I was called the hunchback of Notre Dame. I was called Bert the Jerk. Uh, many, many names as I was in my young growing up years. Because I was tall, I was always the last to go anywhere, the last in, when, when you had to go in line, I would be the last. And then I started being called big, and to this day I hate the word, I'd rather be called tall than big, but that word just seems to come out no matter what. Uh, my high grade school years were... Um, wanting to be what everybody else was and felt I wasn't. Yet I had I had friends. I never didn't have friends, but I always wanted what you had, your popularity. I never thought I had it. It wasn't until I came into excuse me, Overeaters Anonymous did I realize that what I wanted so much in life was your love, acceptance and respect and to what lengths I went to get it. 
my mother died when I was young, so um, I wanted these things from my father so bad. And uh, to the day he died, he couldn't do it. He didn't know how to do it. Someone told me once, if you take the name, just lay, take his label off father, he's just another person. And um, then I went back into his young years and realized that um, he had to quit school at the age of, first, from the sixth grade. Um, and he was the oldest of seven, Polish. And um, coming, he had was born here, but, you know, his father, mother and father weren't. And he sort of helped support the family. And um, but it still was hard. I still wanted once for my father to tell me he loved me. In high school, I um, became a pianist. Well, I had taken piano before, but I really got into it then. And um, I played, practiced the song that he liked the best, which was Claire de Lune, and played it at the recital. I'm going to get teary-eyed about this. I can't believe this. Well, but anyhow. Um, so wanting him to say, I love you, and God, what a good good job you did. And he couldn't. He just didn't. Just didn't. And what I learned later is that um, he just didn't know how to do that. And um, even though I, till the day he died, I so wished he could. I also became a champ swimmer through my high school years, and um, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. I'm not from New York. Maybe you can hear the accent or whatever. It's been many years. And uh, again, so wanting him to congratulate me that I did something good. But what I learned later was he told the whole world what his daughter did and what she didn't do, and um, it was I just wanted him to tell me once. And uh, but it never happened. I, uh, I the nurse that was around my mother when she died in the hospital. I looked at her and I knew at that time that my mother had passed away. And uh, she's a nurse that helped me get into nurses training. And I went into nurses training. And um, you know the old saying at that time. This is many years ago. Uh, you know, pills were easy to get. And um, by the way, when I was 14, I had my first diet pill. My father took me to a diet doctor and uh, or a doctor, and I was introduced to the pills. And I really didn't have them that much then, but when I got into training, I was able to get them. Well, from there, um, you know, you got a pretty face butt. And then we got to be involved with the interns and the residents, and they could give you prescriptions. I have to say, I never, this is so interesting to say, I never abused them, but I took them for 20 years. But I never abused them and took more than one. I, I didn't know to take two or three that after I came into Weight Watchers and away that they, the volume of, of pills that some of these people took. I didn't do that, but I did take them for 20 years. Uh, I was at that time going from somebody in uh, uh, West Point, and uh, so when I graduated, I decided that um, I wanted to come up here to New York and uh, get some more training than what I had. 
and um, I was going to go to Bellevue, and uh, they said, don't go there. If that's for the interns and residents. Come to Mount Sinai, and that's where I came. And um, the situation didn't work out, and um, I met my husband, and uh, we got uh, married, and then uh, I had four kids in four and a half years. Uh, it was a very interesting time. But I want to tell you, when I go into the doctor's office, because I was a nurse and because they knew me, they would, you know how in, in OBGYN, you would go, the nurse will go into the room and she'll clean the room up. Well, at that time, I would get on the scale and I would always push it to my left, not to the right. So nobody really knew how much I weighed and I didn't know how much I weighed. But you got to, you know, like you got to 175, 174, but you'll never get to 175. Then I got to 199, but I'll never get to 200. And then it was 224, and I did get to 225. So the the lies that I gave myself was hurting nobody but me. I had a very wonderful doctor's that one doctor said, I will give you two weeks of pills and no more. And so all through my four pregnancies, I never had the pills. We didn't have diet soda at that time. So I never had any chemicals in my body other than the food that I was eating. And um, and and I want to tell you something also is that I'm a sugar addict. I am not a food, a volume eater. I don't like food even to this day. The reason I say certain foods, I know what I can't have, which is sugar and refined flour, refined sugars. Um, if you gave me a meal, and it could be in Waldorf Astoria, it could be in the most magnificent food place it was. When I got full with the food, I just didn't do it. But you come out with that Viennese table, and I will demolish it. So the ability to be able to walk through this was was very hard for me. Uh, a new candy bar would come out and I have to try it. Uh, there isn't one new one now that, oh God, would I love to try it, but I know I can't and that's all there is to it. So the certain foods and quantities, I have to weigh and measure because I don't eat enough. A volume eater measures because he eats too much. And then that certain food, that that's, uh, that uh, one extra bite is like, oh, my God, there's just a little teaspoon of macaroni and cheese sitting in the bottom of the pot. And I would have to finish it. And then, of course, then the obsession would start. I didn't know it then, but I would then go on from there. So through my nurse's training, um, I was constantly fighting, and of course, you, the food that we had to eat that no, was not too conducive to losing losing weight. But a couple of us one time went on a Coke Coke diet with uh, putting one little bag of peanuts. I hope nobody tries this now. One bottle, one little bo a, 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 a bag of peanuts into it. But then the salt and the sugar was oh, was so good. It just tasted so delicious. And of course, that didn't work. And um, so anyhow, when I came up here to New York, there was something that, uh, I don't know, I just couldn't eat whatever. And I, every night we could, we, I, I lived in the, in, the, uh, in the hospital and um, 
I would make, uh, God, I can't even remember, I have, you can say this now, chocolate pudding every night. I would cook it, and that's all I had. And, of course, I lost weight. And um, so anyhow, when I met my husband, um, I wasn't that heavy, And uh, but it's, it, I'm one of these ones that got pregnant on my honeymoon, and um, I progressed to gain weight and gain weight and gain weight. Um, one of the things I didn't take time to do is take time for me. I would take care of you and do everything for you, but never take time for me. I would never uh, sit down and have a nice meal. And then when all four children came, I definitely didn't sit down and have a nice meal. I would play games with it. Oh, and we had a doctor in um, in Flushing at that time. I live on Long Island. And we had a doctor in Flushing that would give a shot. And when I found out, it was urine that they were giving us. And we would sit there. there you would have to wait all day. The, the lengths that I would go to to get what I thought would help was unbelievable. I didn't do a lot of the things that a lot of the other people did. Um, but that, that was one of the craziness I did. And we, would ha- we could actually go to a movie and come back and our time would not be ready yet. And then this guy would give us a shot. The thing that got me more than anything is he didn't seem to clean the syringe for whatever reason or didn't start give a new syringe for all this. But I went ahead and did it anyway. Oh, so anyhow, from there, I, uh, as I said, I had my kids. And, um, and then uh, a friend of mine, uh, we decided we would join Weight Watchers. And that's when Weight Watchers really got started. In fact, I went to uh, quite a few meetings that Jean Nidish was still leading. And uh, I can remember her saying that we're going to have something in Madison Square Gardens like you've never seen before in 10 years. Oh, my goodness, that gave me 10 years to do, to get to lose the weight. And I can remember my first, I learned a lot in Weight Watchers. I, I, I didn't learn too much of living because for whatever reason I don't know what it was but I learned a lot in Weight Watchers I learned that uh, you could take laxatives and lose weight in other words leave the room go out because there was a pizza parlor right downstairs where I used to go and um, I they would go and have pizza and then binge and then two days before they would start with the laxatives so I learned that I am uh, a Catholic, and I learned a, a new thing called Malamar, and uh, I kept hearing Malamar. I said, what in the heck is Malamar? And so I had to go out and try that. And um, so anyhow, on my, you know, when I, those who have been in Weight Watchers at that time, uh, we used to get a pin, and uh, you could get a pin after 16 weeks, but you get a pin with a stone if you lost 20 pounds. And I can remember going back and forth to the bathroom and taking one thing after another after another off. And I took everything that I could possibly take off. I can even remember the dress I had on. It was a two-piece dress that I could take off without (laughs) embarrassing myself. And I got to 19 and three-fourths pounds. And they said, oh, let's give it to her anyway. She's done so well with this. And who did that hurt but no one but me? And then a friend of mine and my family, we went to Florida, went to Atlantic City, 
and I was doing fine until I got into the homemade and everyone who's ever been to Atlantic City knows the fudge that they used to have and I brought home some fudge and that was the end of that but I went to Weight Watchers for 10 years when I would go to somebody's house um, and they would have you know they baked it just for you and you've got to have a piece Uh, you know if we were an alcoholic they would never offer us a drink But as soon as you say you're on a diet or whatever, oh, come on, this time it's okay. Go ahead and have one. Well, all I had to do was have one. And I couldn't wait to maybe go into the kitchen and maybe sliver a piece, eat it real fast, and then say, well, I have to go to the bathroom right now, you know, or however it was. And couldn't, uh, it was unbelievable, the the wanting, wanting of more. So what happened is um, you're leaving. So as I'm leaving, they said, look, Roberta, we don't eat this, but you take it home. Now, if I was with my husband, that was one thing. Uh, I would bring it. I would say, well, we'll bring it to the kids. It's always for the children. Uh, So I would put it in the refrigerator. Now, my husband, (laughs) when you go to bed, he goes to sleep. And it takes him maybe two breaths, and he is snoring already. And I would wait for those two, at least two snores. And I would get up, and I would finish what was I had brought home. And then the next morning, when he would say, my goodness, I said, you know what, I had to throw it away. Now, he's not going to go into the garbage and see if I threw it away. I would go in there if I wanted what I threw away, because after all, you can't throw away. Let's start the diet tomorrow. So if I was alone, it never got home. I would eat it all before we got home. It was sad. It was sad how people react to us and... um, they just don't believe. And I'm even today, when you go somewhere, come on, you can have one. You know, you can just have one. That's all it takes is just one. Yes, it is. That's all it takes for me is just one. So from there, after I started going to Weight Watchers, and uh, it was 10 years, and I went to this big thing at Madison Square Gardens, and... Um, I'll, I'll never forget, I walked in there, and my first sponsor, or not, uh, well, leader, I guess you would call it, in Weight Watchers, and she says, uh, what in the world are you doing here? And she says, because I wanted to be part of. Of course, I was heavier than I was when I first came into Weight Watchers. So one day, in working for a doctor, um, a patient walked in, and we knew it, but she had never told us. And she turned around and looked at me, and she says, you know, Roberta, I'm an alcoholic. And I turned around and looked at her. I said, you know what? Thank God I'm not an alcoholic, because if I start drinking, I would never stop. It's the same thing with me. With I take want chocolate, and I cannot stop. Remember way back when you could buy three of those huge Hershey bars for a dollar. <laughs> that was way back when. I would have to finish all three of them and even be sick, but had to finish all three of them in a in a span of time 
one day, not not couple of days, all in one afternoon or one evening or whatever it was, and be sick, but still have to eat it all. And then what happened is um, after talking to her, someone called me up and said, Roberta, you know what? There's something going on. Um, I just went to a meeting, and um, it's called Overeaters Anonymous. And I said, okay. Um, I, we get a paper, a weekly paper called the uh, Levittown Tribune. And you know how you see something, yet you don't see something? And I saw this Overeaters Anonymous, but I didn't register it. It just didn't register and where the meeting was. So anyhow, I came in, uh, came, and I said, uh, she said that this was um, um, May 10th of 1973. And I said, okay. So I found the meeting, and it was the next day and a Saturday. And it was five people in a home. Uh, it was a home that was... Um, nobody was in it, it it was attached to a funeral home and um i went in there for the meeting and uh it was very interesting there was a guy there i'm sorry i can't remember his name but there was a guy there that carried a hershey bar with a bite out of it to prove that he didn't have to have a hershey bar um there was um it was a very interesting meeting it was a meeting that <laughs> they talked about everybody else and uh, I know I said, what in the heck is this all about? But the thing that kept me going was that one of the women named Olga, she's passed away now, and uh, we, they asked me if I wanted to go to lunch. I said, gee, that's very nice of them. I said, sure. So I went to lunch with them, and she handed me the 24-hour day book. She says, Roberta, she says, today it's going to take you a long time to get any literature. At that time, to get literature from OA, you had to collect the money and then send it to the World Service, which was, <coughs> excuse me, at that time in California. So um, that's how some of our meetings got money because these people wouldn't come back and this meeting, they would get the literature and then the meeting was, oh, it was interesting. So anyhow, <coughs> excuse me. So anyhow, um, she handed me this. I said, wow, that was so nice of her. I still have that book. And uh, that was so nice of her to do that. <coughs> oh, I hope this doesn't continue. So then I went to um, I went to another meeting, and it was ready to fold. <clears throat> and, uh, and then I went to another meeting, and I couldn't seem to get what you all we're talking about as far as a food plan goes. And at that time, there was a gray sheet and an orange sheet. And um, most of the people <coughs> were on gray sheet. But orange sheet had a piece of bread, and you were a bad person in some meetings if you had the orange sheet. So, um, and I looked at this diet, and Dr. Atkins was being examined by the AMA because his food plan was not healthy. And I said, gee, this thing looks so much like that. In the beginning, <coughs> excuse me, I lived in uh, lived in Flushing, and uh, to, to what lengths I would go at Weight Watchers had um, little ice creams. And um, 
there was only certain places that carried it, and I would go 35 miles, no, it's 40, uh, 30 miles out here to get a case of this ice cream, and I'd buy two cases so that I made sure I never ran out. So to what lengths I would go to get this program or to eat, but yet I couldn't do certain things that OA wanted. Well, anyhow, I, it took me six weeks. I had about five sponsors because at that time we had assignments. And I'm only talking for me. I'm not talking for OA or anybody else. It's just me. They wanted me to answer these questions. And I didn't know what in the world they were talking about. And then I'd go to a meeting and there would be somebody out there who would read a whole two pages. And I'm saying, where did that come from? How did they know all that stuff? To this day, I still do not benefit by writings. I benefit more by hearing, speaking, and whatever. So anyhow, I <laughs> it was it was an interesting time, and um, I felt I mean, there was only a couple meetings going on, and uh, I went out to one in Islip and a couple of places out on the island. As I said, I had about four or five different sponsors thinking somehow, some way, this was going to work, and it just couldn't. So finally here, I got somebody who had what I wanted, and um, I went down to Florida with my four children. We flew down. My husband worked for the airlines. I flew down, and um, we were going to drive their car back because they didn't want it anymore, and um, they went down to my in-law's house. And um, now my children were not coming back for five weeks. But again, I go back to Weight Watchers, and I heard about a store called, I think it's Stuckey's or Stokey's or one of them. And you can't miss it when you're driving. I think the sign must be a mile high. You can't, you know, they want you to come in. So I asked my husband, I said, you know what, I've heard about this place. Can we stop? Now, my disease starts in my head. It doesn't start in my mouth or my eating. It starts in my head. And what I decided to do, I was going to bring, I say to this on the bottom of my heart, I brought back six, seven boxes of candy or some kind. And, and I want to tell you, I brought it back because when my kids come home on, uh, in five weeks, I want to have something for them to have insanity but I put one in the front seat that was for me and um, that's just like putting a drink in front of an alcoholic you know first came the paper now the the kind of candy that I put there my husband didn't like so I I put took the paper off that you know that cellophane paper off and I gradually put my hand in and um, within a half hour the box was empty now my husband decides, you know, he thinks he'll have a bite. And he goes in there and all he gets is brown little papers. He said, what happened? And I said, well, I guess I ate it all. And you know, it was the truth. There was no mother and father-in-law in the back who would come, you know, upstairs to our apartment and eat. There were no four children. And there were no cat and dog that it fell on the floor and they ate it. There was nobody. There was just the truth. He and I in an empty car. 
When I came home, I told my sponsor, you know, that I had a few. I couldn't tell her what I did. I was scared because, you know, in the big book it says some people are unconstitutionally unable, and I thought maybe I was one of them. And then what happened is um, amazing, these things, bringing them back. Um, <clears throat> I uh, ordered the food in the, in the office, and um, we all... <laughs> We always sort of going to go on gray sheet. But anyhow, I got it and all the food for everybody. And uh, a patient walked in and she said, you know, Roberta, she says, I've given something to the people in postpartum and I've given to the the people in the delivery room and I'd like to give you something. And she gave me a homemade 11 by 14 sheet cake. Well, you know, <laughs> what can you do? I put it on the table. And um, I just prayed. And uh, but the, this was on a Wednesday. This was on a Tuesday. On a Monday, a patient walked in, and she handed me an, uh, a apothecary jar of toffee. And of course, I put it right in front of me. That's just like again putting a drink in front of an alcoholic. And now my head starts. Well, I'll, let's open it. You know, just in case somebody wants one. Now that's not enough. Let's let's make sure that if you do offer it, it's good. So I had one, and before the night was over, I had three fourths of the bottle was empty, and this was like again a toffee. The do- the doctors, the nurses in the office were not going to eat that because they all had, you know, caps or whatever, and they're not going to eat that kind of stuff. Again, calling my sponsor the next day and be frightened. Now this comes along and this sheet cake comes in and um, I didn't know what to do. And how many of you have already had trouble with breakfast? And now what am I going to do the rest of the day? Well, let's wait till tomorrow. Or it's Friday. Let's wait until Monday. And I couldn't do that anymore. I just had a point where I just, I said, I've got to start somewhere. Now, this was in the evening. And I called people and nobody was around. And I finally asked God, please help me get through. And somehow I was able to get through. And that was my first day of absence, which was June 26, 1973. Ten months later, a friend of hers came in. And she said to me, um, I said to her, you know, where's Helen? I said, I haven't seen Helen in a long time, and I have something to thank her for. I'm sorry. To... Mm. And uh, she said, Roberta, she's Helen. Helen died. She had leukemia. Well, you know, you don't know who. Mm. Boy, you're going to get this gift from you don't know who. It could be a drunk. It could be an overeater who is still in the thralls of their disease. It could be that's why you go to meetings, don't pick up and read the big book. That's all I can give you. So I knew that was a gift that was given to me. I worked very hard, and um, I lost 110 pounds in eight and a half months. I went through sizes. I didn't even go to sizes. I skipped sizes. And I became very involved and uh, not knowing at that time how much I wanted your love, acceptance, and respect. 
Now, some of you are going to think this is an ego trip, but I'm telling you my story. I got very, 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 very involved. I helped meetings get started. I helped our inner group get started. I became a delegate. Uh, I wanted my meeting to know everything. And uh, I went all over. Of course, there were some meetings I couldn't get to because they thought my meeting was called Easy Does It, and they thought I was eating bread, so I wasn't allowed to speak at some meetings. But I went all over and got to know a lot of people and got very involved. Um, uh, and it was uh, it, it was very interesting. I didn't know this. All I wanted to do is if you asked me a question, I would have or be able to get the answer. In 1974, <laughs> there was a big, uh, there was a retreat, and some of us had said, let's go. Now, it was five women get in my car, and we go down to Atlantic City, and uh, there was 369 people. And someone says, I think we've passed retreats. It's time for a convention. So we had a young man who was um, uh, very involved in the Concord Hotel, which is no longer. And they were known for their food. And they said, uh, he said, we'd like to have, <laughs> we'd like to have a convention. And uh, we wondered if we could have it here. Well, at March at that time, there was not many people going up to the Concord, and they said, you're nuts, but go ahead, you can come. So in 75, they had the first convention, and there was um, about 750 people there. Now, the reason there wasn't more is because at that time, the Westminster people didn't like the idea of the person who was running it because he had an interesting history and they thought he was going to ruin everything for the group. And um, But the next year, because it was the people came back and said how much of a success it was, they brought people in from California, and uh, how great it was. And the next year we had 3,000. And I was the chairman of that one because I seemed to be the only one that could get along with everybody. It was a very interesting time. But anyhow, through this period, um, OA was, uh, the reason our Tuesday night started, uh, that was the first night was that June 26th, was because there was many people who came back from California and said, now we're going to, we want gray sheet and only gray sheet. So many meetings became gray sheet people and you couldn't be on anything else. And our meeting sort of had a little bit of everything. There was Weight Watchers, there was Moderate Mealing. Uh, it was an easy does it but do it meeting, and it's still there 40 years later. And anyhow, so, um, and a lot of recovery. It's not just a meeting that's there, it's a lot of recovery going on. So uh, that's how our meeting, that's how it got started, and uh, with five of us uh, starting it. And um, uh, most of them have passed away since it got started. I don't know why I'm still around, but I am. But anyhow, so then um, I get involved in a conference, going to meetings, going to uh, intergroup, going to becoming a delegate, going to California. 
And then regionalization started. And um, we were very close in the beginning uh, to New York, uh, to, to um, not New York, uh, <laughs> New Jersey. And uh, there was a lot of wonderful meetings, and we we really had a lot of companionship together. And when we, once we became regionalized, we it sort of got lost along the way. But anyhow, I got very involved in that, and uh, I became well. I became the the second trustee. The first trustee, I think, lasted two months, and then I became the first trustee of uh, Region Six. Um, Still getting very involved, still doing, 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 still uh, getting information. I had so much information that as you called, I would make sure, if I didn't have it within 24 hours, I did. The need for your love, acceptance, and respect was unbelievable. And the length that I went to get it was unbelievable. Not knowing what I was doing, just being part of because of wanting your love, acceptance, and respect. What happened after that is, um, well, my father got very ill. And um, three months, three months I spent with my father. Uh, I went to, let me tell you this, I went to see my father. And when I did, he said to me, um, I, I called up my OA people because he lived in South Carolina. And I called up my OA people in South Carolina. And I said, you know, I'm coming in. Could you help me? And and they said, sure. They picked me up. And then on my way to the hotel, I said, you know, would you do me a favor because I'm going there by myself tomorrow. I said, I'd like to go by see my father and see where he lives so I know what to do. I go by the hotel and there's my father sitting outside. And I said to the girls, I've got to go and say hello. And as I'm leaving the car, I'm going to tell you what exactly what he's going to say. What in the hell are you doing here? So anyhow, I get up to him and he says, what in the world are you doing here? I said, Daddy, you wouldn't come to me, so I came to you. And he says, you know, it's so funny. This morning, your picture fell off the wall. And I said, wow. My father, um, uh, <laughs> it's very interesting he would take me to McDonald's for lunch and and uh, another little restaurant for breakfast uh, for dinner and uh and he couldn't take me to the airport so I had to have my people but he still could not say anything good to me. Now, I don't know who he said to the world but he could not say anything to me. So then he got very ill and I spent 3 months with him and I made sure hmm, that every night that I left him I said I love you. Oh, I'm sorry. And I just, uh, please, Dad, just once. And it took me four years after he died that it was okay. I had to come to grips with it was okay. But you bet your bippies. I did not allow that to continue with me. Mm. I'm sorry. Oh, boy. So anyhow... I had a hard time touching my children. Uh, I became the hugger. Uh-oh, here she comes. Here she comes. She wants a hug. Let's give her. Oh, my goodness, here she comes. So I would go, and um, if I'd see somebody at a convention or whatever, and they look, I said, can I have a hug? And they would get up and give me a hug. And I was able to do this for four years in this program. You allowed me to do that. 
And people would say to me if I would share like this, I said, you know, Roberta, go up to their bedroom at night and just go in and touch them. I would go up to the bedroom at the door and couldn't go any further. I didn't know how. I had never had it, so I didn't know how. And then I was so scared I would get rejected. So, uh, well, one evening, um, our dog didn't come home. At that time, you could the dog could fly over. I think he fertilized every dog in the in Levittown. But anyhow, he didn't come home, and I was ready to go to church, and somebody called me on the phone, and they said, Roberta, um, or they didn't know who I was. They said, did you lose your dog? And I said, yeah. And he was about two miles away, and he said, well, he's been hit by a car, and he's over here, and we thought maybe you'd like to know him. She said, I lost my dog just a month ago, and I said, I thought you may like to know. So I took my son and I, and we went, and we found him, and we left him there, and on the way home, I said, you know, Brian, should we bring him home? And Brian said, I don't know, Mom. Maybe we should. So then my husband and him went and got the dog. And they dug a hole in the backyard. And when they dug the hole, oh, I watched my son put the first dirt on him and what that must have done to him. I'm going to regress a little bit about New Jersey. And I went to a convention in New Jersey, and they had a workshop on sensuality. And I heard a man get up and talk that he's 40 years old, has lost over 200 pounds, looks fabulous, and didn't know how to ask a woman how to date. He what didn't learn that through school and everyone that did it normally. He couldn't read a book. He didn't know what to do. And that taught me that men have the same feelings that we do. So when... My son goes to bed that night. I could hear him crying, and I said, Brian, come in. Just come into the kitchen. And I said, I want to tell you something. Mm. Oh, boy. You're never too old, and you're never too young, and you're never too small, and you're never too tall to cry. And I knew that if I went to a certain spot In the morning, I would get a hug and a kiss from these kids. But I didn't know how to do it myself. So after this, I had touched him, and I touched my two, I have three girls. And the youngest, I couldn't seem to get. I didn't know how to do it. And it was my birthday, and we were sitting in the the den, and um, she handed me a little, uh, God, I'm sorry, gold, gold to heart. And I said, God, I know this is what I have to do, but I don't know how. I don't know how to get up. Please help me. And what he did is he got her up. And getting her up, I got me up. And that moment of looking at her, a pain of mine, suppose she won't take it, I gave her a hug. So I didn't perpetuate what my father did not know how to do. My kids all 
have been hugged. We all say, I love you when we're finished on the phone. We all know how to walk through life without being scared of doing any of this. That was hard. So anyhow, as life went on, um, I uh, had to walk through all this uh, busy, 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 busy. Now, all of a sudden, I become a trustee. And I go to meetings, and I'm watching some of these trustees eat. And I said, wow, how come they can eat that? I can't eat that. How come they can eat that? And I'm a, I'm a real compulsive overeater, no matter what. I'm a real compulsive overeater. And um, I said, no, I can't. I can't. Uh, do, but I did. I Little by little by little by little, I started eating. And I started gaining. And um, I got reelected twice. And the sat- last time I got reelected, I said, no, 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 this is no good. I love OA too much. I have to resign. Uh, This is not helping me, and it's not helping OA. And I said, I am not a power of example. So I left OA. And uh, when I left OA, uh, I left my meeting. uh, It was in June, and I said goodbye. And uh, it's funny how you don't make too many friends in this program. You make a lot of acquaintances. But uh, the the people that nobody would seem to call or care or what it just was very interesting. So anyhow, I uh, left away for two years, and I gained 190 pounds back. And after lo- gaining the 190 pounds, um, I said it, it's I got to get back. In August of that year, I went out in the backyard and I said, you know what? Mm. I, I'm going to commit suicide. I said I don't know anything else. I said I can't I can't I can't handle this. I had a mother and father-in-law who moved in. I had a daughter and her husband and baby who moved in. I said I'm the sandwich sandwich generation. To both ends I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to get, how to go, what to, where to go. And then I came in. I said, "You know what? There was a book that we used to read many years ago. I'll be the elephant in the living room. I'll just sit here and just exist." And somehow whatever happened on a, a on the November 22nd, I went to the meeting, and um, I asked somebody to sponsor me because I had asked many people to sponsor me, and they said, "Not you, uh, not no, you can't have problems." And or else, if I would start talking, no, listen, this is my dime, not yours, or I'd end up sponsoring them. And coming back, I didn't know whether gray sheet, orange sheet, purple sheet, blue sheet. I didn't know what to do. Big book uh, studies because I had done marathons, I had done workshops, I had done all this stuff. What do I do? Where do I start? I didn't know how to start. So anyhow, I asked this young girl to sponsor me, and she said yes. At first she said no. She says, I can't sponsor you. I mean, she didn't. She knew I was in a long time, and she didn't know my involvement. And I said, look, honey, I want to tell you something. you got 90 days that I don't have. So what happened was the pride and ego had to be dropped, and that's when it started. And she called me up, and she says, you know, Roberta, she said, to get get your abstinence, you can start to sponsor. You can lead meetings. There's so many wonderful things you can do. And I said, yes. I didn't come back and say, I know all that. I didn't say anything. Anyhow, I came back, and um, I had a little problem because at that time, you know, we lost the food plans and lost a 1,000 meetings and all this other kind of garbage that was going on. 
And I'd go to re- meetings and there'd be Tupperware underneath the tables and Avon books on top of the table. And I said, what in the world happened to OA? And I, I was getting very frustrated and I didn't know what to do. And of course, I was critiquing, you know, me and my big voice. I would start critiquing this and you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that. And what happened later on, I went ahead and left and um, I, I went, had Lifeline. Everybody, I wish you'd get Lifeline. It's so wonderful. And I got Lifeline, and uh, as I said, my husband worked the airlines, and I had a daughter in Las Vegas, and they were having a convention in Las Vegas. So I asked if um, if um, my husband if I could go. He said, sure. So Thursday I was in Las Vegas, and Friday I went to the convention. And when I got to the convention, uh, I uh, learned an awful lot of things, and um, one of the things I learned is uh, I looked down as I'm leaving because I got to know the guys, and I looked down at the meeting, and there was a, um, a, a tapes called uh, Big Book Study. And we knew a guy who was in uh, OA and had done it, and I said, is this this guy? And they said, no, this is um, two drunks who got together and um, wanted to, uh, and, and wanted, taught us, teaching us the big book. So I went ahead and I said reluctantly, I said, well, okay, it's too drunk, so I'll go ahead and I'll get him. And I did. I brought him home and I asked my son-in-law if he could loan me his little cassette player. Well, I didn't put it down. I listened to them uh, and I was catching a plane the next day and uh, I, I couldn't stop listening to them. And I said they had what I wanted. And I sat on it for about a week and I said, I've got to do, I've got to find these guys. You know, I at that point, I'm ready to go to any lengths to do whatever I have to do to get this program. And I called the tape guy, and he said, sure, here's the telephone number. And I called one of them, and um, I said, look, I'm not an alcoholic. I am an overeater, but I want what you have in the big book. And um, I was able and gifted to be able to be sponsored by one of the men. And um, that's how I got my program. One of the things, I'll just go through this because I think I'm staying on too long. Um, one of the things I really want to share with you is um, what I learned from the steps. No one, no one, no one could give me step one. I had to do it myself. In the big book, it says, learn to concede. I had to keep eating until I had to get func- get to the point where I had to ask for your help. Um, step two was just find a power that's going to restore me to sanity. I'm a nurse. I don't need a... Why are you crazy? I'm not crazy. Yeah, I was because I said I could have one, and it didn't work. It really did not work. Step three is just make a decision. Well, I made a decision, but, uh, you know, am I willing to go further? And there's so many meetings that go 1, 2, 3, 12. It's not a waltz, people. It is a program of recovery. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So when you get through to that, then what do you do? Okay, now I have to do an inventory, a moral inventory, fearless moral inventory. It takes, it could do, I did mine in a weekend. You can do it in a weekend if you have the time. I don't like to have people waiting for years and years and years and years. How many people are going to go back out there and drink or eat if they don't have it? Um, If they don't know how to do the most important step, tip 10, on a daily basis. So you do the inventory, you give it away in step five. 
Now, if you give it away in step five, if you do the program the way it's written in the big book, you've got six and seven, which are already on your paper. That's your fifth column. It tells you my character defects, and my character defects are what got me to where I am today. Now, if I finished with that, the character defects, now I come to eight and nine. Well, eight is on on your first column, that is who you had resentments to with, with how you how, uh, and how you took care of it. And those are the people that you make amends to. So now you're at step 10. You may wait, not always, you know, get all of nine done, but it's a start. So now you're on step 10. And what is step 10? Step 10 is four through nine. It's asking, finding out if you have a resent, a resentment of fear or anger or sexual problems. It uh, it, um, it gets you to ask God to, re, uh, to help you with it. Make amends if you have to. And then what the most important thing is, is um, talk it over with your sponsor. And then the last sentence is give your love and tolerance to somebody else. Go out and wash your car. That's what we've been taught. You know, I was taught that by Joe uh, Joe McHugh and Joe and Charlie. And he said, you know, the 11th step is so important, but in step 10, it's so important to go ahead and go out and wash your car. Get rid of, don't sit in the, don't sit in the pour me, pour me, pour me a drink because that's not going to work. And you do step 10. If you get off the phone and you resent with me because I talk too long, talk about it. Get it out of your system right away. Don't let it sit there and, and have a problem with it. Um, and because me, I used to wait, and then three months later I would bring it forward, and my husband says, where'd that come from? Because I never got rid of it when it happened. Step 11 is really interesting because step 11 starts at night. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't start in the morning. It starts at night. So what it's trying to do is to get you to do step 10. Did you do everything you were supposed to do? Did you make amends? Did you uh, uh, talk to God? Did you uh, you know, walk through your sponsor? Did you do all the things that you said you did? And if you didn't, check it off and do it in the morning. Then it says indecision. You have indecision. And then you don't know what to do, so you ask God's help. And then what do you do? You sit there and you sit there and you wait for it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. Go out and wash your car. Go out and wash your car. Go out and clean a john. Go clean a drawer. Take a walk. Do something, but don't sit in it. And then step 12, you know, having as a result of these steps. You can't do anything unless you have the result of these steps try to carry this message. You know, I didn't see that for 10 years. That was very interesting. Try to carry this message and then use these principles in all your affairs, which is one of the hardest. I have gone through an awful lot in these past 23 years. I've had two knee two hip surgeries and a knee surgery. I had a husband that passed away just two and a half years ago, and my sponsor passed away three months later, and I didn't pick up. You can get through anything, people, anything that's out there. Don't let it stop you. Don't let it keep you from doing whatever you have to do. Just go out and and, um, and walk, walk through your program. Go to meetings. Don't pick up and read the big book. I tell people read two pages out of the big book every night and do it with somebody and hear what you have to say. I want to end this book. Our book is meant to be only suggested only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come if your own house is in order. 
But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God, which is steps 1, 2, and 3. Admit your faults to him, 5, 6, 7, and uh, to your fellows. Close away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of those you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us again as we trudge this road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. And one of the other things that was given to me in 1973, 74, is an old violin. It's being, there mm, I go again. It's being auctioned off. And it's going for a dollar and two, three. And some little man walks up in the middle of this huge auditorium and picks up the violin, dusts it off, tunes it, and proceeds to play a song that just fills the room with a lot of love. He puts it down, and the auction just starts again. Now it starts at a thousand, two, and goes for three. And someone said, "What happened?" And the the uh, auctioneer said, "It had the touch of the master's hand." And so have each and every one of you who is here with us today. We've all been touched by the master's hand, and keep that gift as long as you can. Thank you for allowing me to share it with you today. Bye bye now. Roberta, thank you so much for sharing with us your experience, strength, and hope on this Vision for You special edition. We'd now like to open the floor for any questions anyone might have for Roberta. You can press star 1 to unmute to direct your question to anything regarding the program of recovery, anything that Roberta shared regarding her story. I'd like to make a comment to Roberta. My name is Toby. Can you hear me? Go ahead. Yes, please go ahead. Uh, Roberta, um, I'm going to try not to cry. But you touched me today in a way that no other speaker has. Because you told my story. Um, I didn't get to the level of service that you did in program, uh, but I was—I came in in '78 in the Boston area, and you do know what was going on here, and mm-hmm. I was very involved. And my involvement too, I realized after listening to you, was because I wanted to be loved. Mm-hmm. It wasn't ego; it was I wanted to be loved. And um, I so appreciate your share today because I have been, had been struggling even though I had done the steps because there's something that was missing and I'm not sure what it was. But I'm learning it a day at a time by listening to this wonderful vision program. This is where the recovery is. And I remember that that man from uh, California, Bill B., mm-hmm. he used to come to Boston and talk about the 12 steps, and he was the only one that would talk about it. 
and we followed him wherever he went. Mm-hmm. We followed him uh, to Canada. We followed him anywhere. There was a group of us because we wanted what he had, and we I wasn't able to get it. Um, but I, it's never too late. I'm 78, and I'm still learning, and I'm still growing, and I will never leave the program. Thank you. Thank you, Toby. Anyone else with a question this morning, please? Star one to unmute. Uh, Hi, this is Ronnie. I'd love to speak. Ronnie, go ahead, please, with a question. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Ronnie, compulsive reader from Pennsylvania. Oh, Roberta, thank you. Just thank you. I felt my entire interior shift listening to you. And um, I just thought, I wish I could just have you by my side all the time as I go through the day. I would just turn to you and go, uh, Roberta, what do you make of that? What do you make of that? Um, you, your story really, really touched me. Thank you so much and for your your honesty and your rigor. Um, and it's just it was just a really wonderful story to listen to. And um, the question I guess I had for you is, would be how do you think your abstinence in your program has impacted your family members? Um, you know, um, obviously it's changed your own life, but I mean, is this a thing that your family talks about? Do they note changes in you? Uh, how do you think it's impacted you? And um, and that's it. So thank you so much. Should I answer? Please. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to like this, but um, my family doesn't particularly like OA, and um, maybe it was because my very involvement in the beginning, uh, we don't talk about it. Uh, my husband, who passed away, we didn't talk about it. Um, he knew that's what I needed, and it was okay for me to go and do, and um, the responsibilities of it. I've had to do a lot of this alone, and if it wasn't for you all, um, I don't know where I'd be today. But um, I don't discuss it with them, and um, I'm sorry I don't, but that's just the way it is. I know a lot of people that do, but I had to learn another way, and um, gee, if you want to call me anytime, I'll be glad to talk to you about it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, is there a number where we can reach you? Uh, 516-796. Yes. Uh, 3287, which reads E-A-T-S. <laughs> that's, that's great. You never forget it. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Ronnie. Anyone else? My name is Nancy. Nancy, go ahead with your question. Uh, yes, um, uh, thank you, Roberta. Um, I was wondering if she could repeat her number, but I'd like to ask her about... Um, uh, um, uh, if she has any um, any views on um, the lack of, I feel lack of diversity in, in our fellowship. I'm an African American, and um, there's a there's such a uh, epidemic of epidemic proportion of obesity in my community, and uh, um, I, for some reason, always you know. Um, I have I have been dedicated to one meeting uh, since the seventies. I left and I came back, and uh, but for some reason uh, it, it just doesn't seem to. Uh, it, it, you know, 
it's just not happening. So I wonder if she could address or give some suggestions around that particular issue. But I thank you so much. Your story was so similar to my journey. I left and I came back, and it has certainly saved my life. And I'd like to repeat your phone number. Thank you. It's 516-796-3287, which reads E-A-T-S. And as far as the other goes, um, I, I, you know what? I, I would say call me because I, I would suggest something, but I don't think I should do it on this. Uh, uh, I, I don't know what I can say here and what I can't say as to what helps me get through different situations. And uh, but the most important thing is, is um, be yourself. Go to meetings. Read the big book. Find somebody if you can't get what you need at the meetings is find somebody who will walk through two pages of the big book. And the reason I say two pages, because sometimes when you get to the third, you've forgotten what the first page said. And sometimes even I'll tell people if you get more just reading one page and write on it and see how it relates to you, because we've got to change that it's, and, and, and that's the most important thing in the big book is just trying to get you to change what you're doing today. And um, that really helps an awful lot of people is reading just two pages, but talking it over with someone else. And, you know, it gets them to to get to realize the big book and get you to do it the same thing because that's where all the answers are. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy, for your question. Hi, this is Kaya. Hi, Kaya. Your question. Thank you. Hi. Thank you so much. Uh, Roberta, thank you so much for your share. I'm outside. I'm going to be very, very brief. I just want to... Uh, make an observation of the transformation just in your energy and your voice as you started to speak about the transformation that occurred uh, via going through the steps, um, you know, the like the big book describes with the aid of Joe. I was went to workshops of theirs. Uh, amazing. Um, I wanted to ask you how you take people through the steps today, what that might look like. And thank you so much again for your honesty and your vulnerability, and for sharing your story with us. What I do is by the time you get through two pages, except for the doctor's opinion, you almost are through a month. And by the time the month comes, you're ready for the fourth step. And then we get them right into the fourth step right away. Uh, no playing around. And then, then you go go from there. But if you're rec- if you have gone back to eating again, you have to be clean for a, mo- a week. Um, otherwise, you have to have, I mean, you start the big book along with your recovery. Uh, and then um, you, because, you know, when you have somebody in the very beginning, they're, they're intense and they will go to any lengths to do what you want them to do. And really, again, I think everybody comes in here wanting love, acceptance, and respect. So you got to be very careful because all of a sudden they go to meetings and they get very involved in the fellowship, and now you walk into a room and say, oh, hi, Roberta. God, I'm so glad to see you back again. So you're now getting love, acceptance, and respect, and all of a sudden you start losing the emphasis of doing whatever they you were supposed to do, and then uh, all of a sudden you go back into the food again. So the bottom line is get them through 
through those at four step as fast as you can so they know how to live. They're not going to know it all. Please, they're never going to know it all. We're all going to change. And we're all, I learned something. In fact, the other day after 23 years of reading the big book, I found a word that nearly drove me nuts. And I said, wow, where has that word been? So you constantly are learning new every day, every day, every day. And um, I can't tell even the old timers read two pages out of the big book every day. We only go to 103. And then we'll go back to a vision for you. And then we'll start all over again. And sometimes we read Dr. Bob's story. Thank you. Thank you, Chaya, for the question. Who's next? Good morning. It's Skadia. Skadia, go ahead. Good morning. I would like to ask... Is it something that really touched me? You said it starts from the evening. It doesn't start like from the next day. So that's an inventory of the day. There are times that I'm just exhausted. It's just the day is over. Thank God it's over. And not always I have these few minutes to take with just with myself to to go through the day. What is it like for you the evenings? Oh, it, it's just going over. Maybe one day I may not have any problems. Maybe I won't have a resentment. Maybe I won't have a fear of something. And, you know, say thank you. <laughs> but if I do, did I do everything it says in step 10? Did I talk to my sponsor? Did I ask God's help? Did I make amends? Very fast. Very fast. You don't have to make this a big deal. You can do it in less than five minutes. I know what it's like when you go to bed and you want to go to sleep and you're so tired you can't think. It takes two seconds. You know, just two seconds. Uh, God, please help me. You know, there's something too, you know, when they say good morning in the morning and, and some people read, I don't know how many satellite books and all these little books and and they forget what they read anyway. And and I remember an alcoholic getting up and he say, you know what, good morning, God, I'm here, Hello. I'll see you as the day goes by. That's all. All he wants you to know is you know that he's there and he's there to help you. And that's all you got to do. Thank you, Skadia, for the question. Thank you. Anyone else with a question for Roberta this morning? Hi, my name is Bracha. I have a question. Go right ahead, Bracha. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty new to this to this meeting, and uh, thank you so much, Roberta, for sharing your story. And I was wondering, um, the, where where I have lived, I haven't the the I haven't found a lot of recovery in the in the OA rooms in my area. Um, and I have uh, you know found myself in a in other uh, fellowships that identify as food addicts. And in for me personally, it it seems to um, it, it it seems to express more of what I feel like I am rather than the term compulsive overeater because to me that sort of implies that well if I eat moderately I can eat anything but as a food addict you know I I know that there are you know certain foods that are are triggers for me and I I wondered if you and 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 also personally I have family members who are you know have wonderful OA recovery, 
And I have a problem identifying with them because I don't know if it's just semantics or whatever. So I wonder if you could address, you know, is there a difference? Does it really matter? That kind of thing. Thanks. No, it doesn't matter. Whatever works for you, honey. Whatever works. Uh, if if it's, you know, there's so many facets in OA today. <laughs> I, I tell you, we started out with just Overeaters Anonymous. Then it was OA Plus and um I mean, oh, uh, Westminster, and they were just strict gray sheet in our area. I don't know about any other area. And then came OA Plus. There was some people from Brooklyn who came into Nassau County and wanted to use the Westminster, and it didn't work because uh, they said, no, we've just incorporated, so we can't do it in your area in Brooklyn. So what Brooklyn did is they added uh, a five-pound five uh, chicken, half of a five-pound chicken, I think, and then two yogurts, so it became plus. And then came OA minus, and uh, that was in a lot of the temples where not allowed to use step three and step eleven. Uh, that had three and four hundred people in their meetings, and that didn't last either. Then came Acorn, and then there's FAA Food Addicts Anonymous. Um, anything that works, honey. Anything that works for you. Any wording that you need to use, let it work for you. Um, I just know for myself that I just have to worry about certain foods, quantities, and that extra bite. No matter what word I use, uh, I think it's going to work. And um, I'd like to also tell you another way of getting to good meetings, but uh, you'd have to call me. Okay, Okay, and thank you. Thank you, Bracha. Anyone else? Hi, my name is Chris, a food addict, compulsive reader. May I ask a question? Please go ahead. I just wanted to ask Roberta if uh, she sponsors. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I do. uh, I relate so much to you. I thought I was hearing myself. I came in in in, uh, OA in 78 also, and I dropped out from about 1981 to 2004. And uh, when I got a computer, I was just amazed that OA had changed so much in 13 years and all these groups and different uh, ideas, different literature and I I just, even now I I cannot believe there are so many different uh, perspectives and different food plans and you know, this and that and I just uh, you know, like you said, I just go with what works for me but sometimes that's really hard to uh, decide and uh, I quit smoking last uh, about a year and a half ago, so I've trouble with it since then. But um, you know, basically, I've been abstinent for about ten years, and I just wanted to uh, thank you so much. Uh, I do identify with you a lot, and I wanted to ask you if you've uh, you've probably read the book, uh, The Steps We Took by Joe McHugh. And I yes. I've been using yeah, I've been using that as a not as a big book, but more or less a four step guide this time. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah and I have book? people doing that two pages every night and writing on it. Oh, great. I love that book. Yes. And the tapes. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. You're welcome, hon. Leah, this is Hi. I have another question, if it's okay. Go right ahead. Hi, I'm Roberta. Thank Candace. you. Hi. I wanted to say thank you to the previous <laughs> person. Thank you. Go ahead, Hi. 
Absolutely. Roberta, can you just clarify for a moment when you were um, answering the question about, you know, whatever works, whatever you're calling it, whatever it works, I just would like to clarify my, my guess is that what you're referring to is whatever works in terms of what you call yourself and whatever foods or food behaviors you need to abstain from, but the work of getting recovered is through the 12 steps that are in the big book. Can you just clarify that? Oh, there, there's no question about that. Uh, and I'm talking about the food plans. You know, OA has suggested food plans. They don't even tell you this is what you should do or should not do. There's, you know, I think eight suggested food plans. Or you go to a nutritionist. Just make sure you go to a nutritionist that doesn't tell you, well, it's okay to have sugar, you know, and some of them do that. Um, but you have to find out certain foods quantities and that extra bite, which is so important. And then I say go to meetings, read the big book, and don't pick up. That's all you have to do. That's all there is in the program. And by going to meetings, you identify. By reading the big book, you're seeing where you come. You know, in the big book, it tells you precisely, specifically, clear-cut directions. And um, all those things, are they're trying to tell you this is how it works. You know, some people sit in the 12 and 12 room, and that, that's, those were just essays. That's all they were. And when Bill wrote, uh, became aware of the traditions, Dr. Bob says, well, why don't you put the essays that you wrote for Grapevine and make them into the 12 steps? Because he wanted people to learn a little bit more about the 12 steps. But if you sit in a room that only does the 12 steps from the 12-step book, you're not going to learn how to work the program. It just tells you, gives you more information about the 12 steps. But the only place that gives you the bottom line of how to work these steps is through the big book. That's it. But there's nothing, you, you can do a food plan. If any food plan works for you, all I know is if you're a real compulsive overeater, you can't play games. There's a word going around, fluctuate. <laughs> we can fluctuate, uh, we can have a flex, flexible food plan. No, I can't. I know what I can and can't have. Somebody said something about... Um, I think somebody just shared recent, just recently about the idea of making a list of what you can and cannot have, you know, A, B, and C. A, that you can have what you can't have, C, what you can have, and B is maybe questionable. Maybe today you can't, but tomorrow you can't. But it never involves sugar or white flour for me. That's it. Thank you. Hiya, thank you for asking for that clarification. Anyone else with a Hi, question? This is Go right ahead, honey. Hi, Roberta. Uh, this is Connie from uh, Portland, Maine, and um, I just want to thank you so much. I, I've been really struggling all summer and picking up and not picking up. Been around since 1987, and just hearing <clears throat> hearing your story. And um, I'm also five ten, five nine and a half, and have Polish background. And my daughter-in-law is from Louisville, and just Hearing you talk about the big book is is just wonderful, and um, you know I just can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. Connie. Thank you. Who's next with a question this morning for Roberta? Hello, hi. Can I please have the phone number of the woman who qualified, please? Yes, that is Roberta. And her phone number is 
3287. Thank you so much. Sure. Any other questions this morning? Star one to unmute. Hello? Yes, go ahead with a question, please. Yes, it's not really a question, it's a comment. Hi, I'm Rosalind from Lido Beach, and um, I just wanted to say how much I love you and what a renewal of spirit you give to everybody. And um, that was it. I love you. Love you too, honey. Thank you, Rosalind. Questions for Roberta? Mary Going Lynn. once. Yes, go ahead. Mary Lynn. Mary Lynn, please, with your question. Thank you. Thank you so much, Roberta. Um, I, too, am someone who was in program 22 and a half years before I got a hold of the Visions meeting last January. And thank God. Um I'm abstinent working steps with a big book sponsor on the ninth step. Um, I just wanted to ask you to clarify when Haya asked you for how do you took someone through the big book, and you said um, two pages of the big book, except for the doctor's opinion. Could you elaborate on that? Oh, no, no, I didn't say except. We start, well, I actually start from the very beginning. But you know, see, the very first edition of the big book, doctor's opinion was page one. I don't know anybody knew that. But I we don't know why they changed it to the Roman numerals. So a lot of people don't even read that part. Whereas no, I'm, the, I meant, um, do you do the doctor's opinion two pages at a time? Oh, yes. Or, or one, or how do you do the doctor's opinion? I do it one two pages at a time. Okay. But I start we start from the very beginning. We start with the forward and the prefaces. So they get to know where the book came from and why get a little information about that, and then go right into the doctor's opinion. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a great qualification. I'm a nurse, too. (laughs) I I have been there. Thanks very much. Thank you. Pass it on. I will. Thank you, Marilyn. Anyone else? Going once. Miriam. Twice. Miriam. Okay, Miriam, go right ahead. No, it's not a question. I just want to say thank you very much to Roberta for sharing her experience, strength, and hope, and her uh, tremendous uh, sensitivity. And uh, I so I, I did so much identify with you, and I I really drop a lot of tears here in my uh, keyboard, whatever you call it. Thank you very very much. Thank you. Pass it on. I have a question. Uh, I heard two voices. Rita, go ahead. Rita, go ahead first, and then we'll catch the other. Thank you, Larry, for your service. Uh, Roberta, uh, I've been in program since 1990, uh, and I would very much like to call you. I don't have Internet, and is there a preferable time to reach you? I'm Eastern Standard Time, so uh, uh, just try. Okay. Thank you so much for your qualification. Okay. I'm, I'm home, so um, I, you okay. know, I'm, I don't work, so. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, God. Pass. Thank you, Rita. Who else? 
Good morning. This is Mary Lee in California, and I have a question. Go right ahead. Yeah. I I really appreciate um, the God service this morning, and Leah and Roberta. And my question is: is as you're reading one or two pages um, of the big book, you're still I don't even know how to say this. You're you're doing the steps, and and when you get to the fourth step, you're still reading the two pages, but you're doing the work. Are you kind of flexible about it? But but the intention is is to just keep. Um, and and I agree with you so much about the the forwards and 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 getting a sense of. This incredible book, you know, is is giving us, and not just dropping into the middle of it. Does my question make any sense at all? Um, I I didn't quite get all of it. It's in other words, you want to you want to know if if reading two pages, and once you get to the fourth step, uh, do you still keep reading every two pages? Right. Yes. Um, we have forms that we give out when we do the fourth step. It's just exactly what's in the big book. And um, this way you do the forms when you have time, uh, and we try to get you to do it as fast as you can uh, because the longer you procrastinate, the longer you're, you may go back into eating again, and you don't want to do that because, you know, in the doctor's opinion, it says we're restless, irritable, and discontented. You know, that's life. <laughs> we're always going to be have some kind of restless, irritable, and discontented. But you know what? We don't have to go to the food because we're going to show you a way that you can get through that one day at a time. So the thing is, yes, we do keep. I do keep doing. Now, if they want to stop and do, you know, maybe uh, it takes two minutes to read two pages, and then write a little bit about it. You're relating to yourself as to what's in the in the big book, and there's a lot of part, especially in the in the third chapter, uh, more about um, there is a solution that we change the words. I mean, this is not. It's our book, yet it's not our book, but we can do whatever we want to with the book, is change the word we and they to I. And when you do it, it becomes you. And seeing yourself in these this feelings of um, how how to work this program. Another thing about the big book, too, as you're reading it, when you get to step three in the big book, which is page 60, you will see that it says now we're at step three. Well, what happened to one and two? One and two, one step one is uh, doctor's opinion and Bill's story, and three, four, five, three, uh, two, three, and two, three, and four are the two, uh, step two. But they're really trying to get you to find a power greater than yourself, which will restore to your sanity. Now, from step three on in the big book, you will see that it's going to tell you how to take the step, why you take the step, and uh, the results that come from the step. That was backwards. Why you take a step, how you take the step, and and um, the result that you get from taking that step. It's all in those next uh, chapters on each step that you take. But as you go along, I you know some people sometimes just take a weekend and uh, can do the whole thing, or do one at a time. The resentment thing, and then the, maybe the, res- the the fear, and then maybe the sex after that, and then harm to others other than resentment, fear, and sex. that makes sense? Absolutely. Thank you okay. so much. You're welcome, hon. You rock. 
Thank you, Marilee, for the question. Anyone else? Hi, Leah. I wonder if we can share her phone number, please. Yes, I'll repeat that phone number for you. And that number for Roberta D., residing in New York, so that's East Coast time. The number is 516-796-3287. Again, 516-796-3287. And we want to thank you again, Roberta, for your time this morning, sharing your experience, strength, and hope, and sharing about the process of the 12 steps and how that process, applying those steps, have transformed your life. We appreciate your time here. And I will close this meeting with the way we always close a vision for you. Actually, we heard it a little bit earlier from Roberta, and that is from page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.